Hi, this is Keith, and this is Klezmer Podcast 34 for Friday, May 2nd, 2008. The website is www.klezmerpodcast.com. You can also find me on MySpace at myspace.com slash klezmerpodcast and on the Podango Network at jewisharts.podango.com. First thing today, I'd like to thank those of you who have sent me emails about your upcoming CD releases and concert performances. It's really great to see so much going on out there, and I try to uh, get as much listed as I possibly can. I've also been adding a lot of great bands on my MySpace page, uh, particularly bands from Poland. So those of you guys out there in Poland, you're doing a great job. You sound great, and I hope to hear a lot more from you. Moving on to news, the first thing I want to mention is my recent interview in an article appearing in New Voices magazine that you can find at newvoices.org. The article is called Jewish Podcasts That Don't Suck, and it's written by Elizabeth Alpern. And you can read a little bit about the Klezmer podcast along with some other great Jewish-oriented podcasts. Next, I'd like to welcome the Sameach Music Podcast to the Jewish Arts and Culture Station on Podango. Dov and Sruli are quite popular, and now you can get them right along with the Klezmer podcast on the Jewish Arts and Culture Station. Again, the address for that is jewisharts.podango.com. Another show I've been listening to is Kol Nodadi on CITR Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia. The show is hosted by Dania, and she plays world music with a Jewish twist. I found a lot of great stuff on this show, and I highly recommend that you take a look at it. The show is archived as a podcast. If you go to citr.ca, then click on Podcasts, and then look under World Music, and you'll see uh, Cole Nodedi listed there. So enjoy, and uh, thank you, Dania, for putting out such a great show. Next, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming new album by Klez Factor. New album is going to be called Klez Machine, and I'm looking forward to it. I've heard a little bit of a preview sample, and it sounds great. I'm looking very much forward to hearing the rest of it when it's available. Uh, Klez Factor is led by my friend Mike Ankelwitz, and if you're interested in more from Mike, you can listen to his interview on Klezmer Podcast 13. Okay, I have some upcoming concerts to tell you about. The first is in the New York area. The concert by Abraham Incorporated, the new group composed of David Krakauer, DJ So-Called, and trombonist Fred Wesley. This is going to be at the Apollo Theater in New York, Saturday, May 3rd at 8 p.m. Abraham Incorporated's music style is listed as Klezmer Funk Remix. And if you want to hear a little bit more about Abraham Incorporated, you can listen to my interview with David Krakauer on Klezmer Podcast 25. For tickets for Abraham Incorporated's show at the Apollo Theater, go to the website at apollotheater.org. Also on May 3rd, the Solomon Sisters are performing at the Royal Exchange in Manchester in the UK. And you can find more information about this event at their website, solomonsisters.com. 
And once again, back in New York City, my friends Golem are going to be playing at Joe's Pub on May 13th. And you can find more information on this event at their website, golemrocks.com. And finally, on May 18th, Adrian Greenbaum is having a concert with her group Flight Music at the Fairfield Theater Company in Fairfield, Connecticut. This is going to be a live concert recording for their future album, so everybody in the uh, Northeast there go and enjoy a great concert. For information on this event, go to fairfieldtheater.org. Okay, on to our interview for today. Today I'm very pleased to have with us David Bookbinder, leader of the group Odessa Havana. Now, David is a trumpet player and composer from Toronto, who you might also know from his work with the Flying Bulgars. But I find the music of Odessa Havana very interesting. I listened to some samples from a concert that was done and broadcast on the CBC network. Uh, I found as an archive at the cbc.ca. And I just received the CD, self-titled Odessa Havana, and listened to it uh, a little bit, and it's really terrific. It's uh, kind of a Afro-Cuban style with uh, some Jewish elements to it. In fact, in the press release for Odessa Havana, they refer to the music as an explosive Jewish-Cuban mashup, which I think is pretty accurate. So with that, here we go with David Bookbinder of Odessa Havana. Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to the Klezmer Podcast. Today, on the other end of the phone, I have David Bookbinder from Toronto, Canada, with the band Odessa Havana. Hello, David. How are you doing, Keith? Doing great. Very happy to have you with us on the show today. It's a pleasure. I want to talk today about the Odessa Havana. I listened a little bit to the CBC archived broadcast that you did from the Lula Lounge. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the uh, samples that were on there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the band, how you got the concept, and what you're all about? Well, it's funny. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, how you can have an idea planted in some experience, and many, many years later, it sort of comes into reality. And that's kind of what happened with this, in the sense that very... Very early on in my involvement with klezmer music, which I have to say I definitely didn't grow up with, it was something I only became aware of uh, um, through the revival, you know, the beginning of the klezmer revival and the original bands like the klezmer conservatory band. Sure. And when I started hearing it and playing the stuff, uh, it didn't take me long to say, wow, there's a lot of uh, commonalities in some ways between this and Afro-Cuban music, which I was playing at the time already or really, to be accurate, I was playing, um, I had played salsa uh, in a few different bands. Uh, one, actually, when I was living in Germany, that was made up mostly of Puerto Ricans. Um, and then when I came back to Toronto, I played in some bands here that were mostly Colombians. So I never really played with many Cubans, but um, but I certainly listened uh, to a wide range of music, and I already heard the, con- uh, the connection between the two. Um, not only in some of the minor modalities and even some of the ways uh, the, the songs were sung. Very different in some ways, but I definitely also uh, certain kinds of similarities. Um, and I just sort of naturally fell into 
fell into bringing some of those elements into what I was doing with the Flying Bulgars uh, band that I have led for uh, over 20 years. So 20 years ago, I was already sort of hearing this connection. But also because uh, I recognize what a uh, you know serious thing it is to really undertake a study of Cuban music and to really know how to play it, it wasn't something that, that we really you know, brought much into the Bulgars because it seemed like it would be too fake. Um, and uh, so it was a thing that was just dormant, and I continued to, I didn't really, after you know a couple of years, I stopped playing in salsa, salsa bands, but it was music I always listened to. So long story short, um, a couple of years ago, uh, my debut jazz CD called Schoenberg Jazz Circus was um, nominated for a Juno, which is a, for your non-Canadian sure. listeners, is like a Canadian Grammy. That's terrific. Music Award. And uh, uh, the same year, and that was in the jazz category, of course, and the same year, this great Cuban uh, pianist named Eladio Duran uh, was also nominated. And we were both going to Halifax where the Junos were being held. And I was asked by the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, to um, to uh, put together a band to play some of my music on one of their broadcasts, uh, Juno broadcasts. And looked around and saw who was going to be down there and ended up hooking up with Hilario, who played in the band that I put together. Now, this was not Cuban or Jewish music that we were playing, but uh, we took a liking to each other, and he really seemed to dig my music, and I certainly dug his playing. And uh, not long after that, I was asked by the uh, uh, last artistic director of Ashkenaz Festival um, to... uh, you know, propose a project, and uh, a Cuban-Jewish fusion was one of the projects I proposed because I sort of thought, well, if Hilario was into it, this is, would be a time to do it, because here's a guy <clears throat> who obviously, you know, could bring the whole Cuban side of things to the mix, um, and uh, so it all kind of just fell together, and we, he and I both wrote music, uh, we did a couple of rehearsals, and we did the show, and the show was just a huge success. Um, not only once we actually played there, but the fact that in the middle of this festival, the show, uh, you know, where there's a lot of other stuff going on, the show basically sold out. And that said to me, hey, there's a real interest in this idea. Um, so that's really where it got started. And, you know, we went from there. And that's not, that's like a little more than a year ago that that happened. Um, and since that time, we, we made a CD, released it um, last fall, and, and have been doing some touring. Well, that's terrific. Um, I know there there is some, or had been at one time, uh, some Jewish uh, Cuban community or Jewish community in Cuba. As I have some friends, uh, Jewish friends that had emigrated from Cuba back in the '60s. So I know there is some some connection and some history there in Cuba, right? Yeah, there's definitely a Jewish community in Cuba, um, and in fact. Uh, after our first uh, tour last fall, we played a gig in Toronto uh, that was a fundraiser for the Jewish community in Cuba and, uh, uh, and built around an exhibition of photographs by this um, Jewish-Cuban photographer of the Jewish community in Havana, essentially. So uh, I actually am looking forward to going to Cuba and meeting some players and doing some playing, doing some studying, and also I think I'll hook up with the community there. But as far as I know, there haven't been any particular 
you know, groups within Cuba that have done this. Um, although there have been not long before Odessa Havana, uh, one or two other projects that kind of have started getting into this territory. Sure. And Jewish music, at least, uh, here in North America has quite a bit of Latin influence over the, you know, years from the early 1900s, you know, they've always had tangos and, and, uh, different types of uh, Latin dance influences on some of the music, right? Well, if you look at uh, the whole mambo craze in the 50s, one of the interesting things about that is that it was very, I would say, fueled or you know supported, certainly. It was huge within the Jewish community. And, uh, um, you know, perhaps that was because of the Miami connection, you know, perhaps it was because of, but it just was something that Jewish Jews took to right away. Um, was the Mambo stuff that was coming out of New York uh, in the 50s. And, um, and you know, a lot of uh, Cuban musicians or, you know, and other Latin musicians living in New York uh, did a lot of gigs up in the Catskills. So that was the thing that was going on. There was also some Jewish, Jewish players that came out with, uh, you know, such famous records as Irving Fields, Bagels, and Bongos. Um, and Irving is still in his 90s out there recording. In fact, he's done some stuff with Roberto Rodriguez, who's another guy, a Cuban guy, a Cuban-American guy, who's been getting into the Jewish-Cuban thing as well. So there's definitely a historic connection, but I also, uh, you know, make the case that the music is connected, uh, you know, 500 years ago uh, through medieval Spain, and there's a real historical connection. There's a reason why they fit together so well. Right, absolutely. That's true. And what's been your audience reaction? Uh, have you been playing in jazz clubs? You've been playing uh, at, at more Jewish events? What, what's the Everywhere. reaction we've, been? We've, we've played, you know, we toured across Canada and did gigs in LA and San Francisco uh, in the fall, uh, fall, early winter, and uh, coming up we're going to be going to D.C. and New York, make our East Coast debut in the States. Uh, and it's a mix, right? World music presenters, jazz uh, presenters, and definitely Jewish uh, um, venues. Uh, like in L.A. and San Francisco, we played in the Skirball Center and, and in San Francisco at the, uh, at the JCC, at the Eleanor Friend Theater. Beautiful, like 450-seat theater. Um, and the audience response has been fantastic. Pretty much we've sold out every gig that we've played. Um, and uh, That's right, because uh, I tried to get the CU in Los Angeles, and I couldn't get a ticket, so yeah, <laughs> I know so that we, was sold out. <laughs> I know. They, they, they could have sold a lot more tickets. They should have put us in their larger theater, but it would be good for next time. The, um, the, uh, yeah, so people have just really loved it pretty much everywhere that we've gone. And I think um, one of the reasons for it is that, uh, you know, contrary to even what I call it as a publicity thing, which is a Cuban-Jewish mashup, the thing about this project is that we're not playing traditional music from either, uh, either tradition, either, um, either uh, style of music. We haven't just taken the two styles and slapped them together, which is, I think, some people's approach to doing this kind of work. And the thing I'm proud of in the, comp in the composing of both Hilario and my compositions is that it's really original 
music. It's really original jazz or world jazz, if you want to call it that, that is filtered through uh, Jewish and Cuban sensibilities. Or another way of putting it is that uses uh, Jewish and Cuban um, elements as raw material. That's really the way I like to think about it. Because, and that's one of the things I would say that people in the, in the media often don't get. Um, some people do for sure, but there's often this this take on it, which is, well, how do they put this Jewish traditional thing together with this Cuban thing? There's one tune on the recording that does that very sort of self-consciously, but the rest of them are all really original pieces that um, bring these sounds together in a way that I hope, and I think people are saying this, this is what people dig about it, it creates something new. And uh, I liked, when I listened to the samples, uh, the one number that, that uh, struck me was the like, Cadiz. Uh, you want to talk about that one for just a moment? Yeah, I have to say, of all the records that I've been involved in creating and written music for, that tune stands out like from all of them in terms of people's response, in terms of every review saying, oh, this is a highlight. And I think the reason is, I think it's in some ways the piece that does that the most. It has no, um, there's nothing in it that is sort of, uh, what's the word, like um, technically Cuban, and there's really nothing in it that is technically completely sort of traditionally Jewish. It takes both those sounds and um, uh, tries to create a world uh, that, you know, kind of a new world from within it. So I think that's one of the things about it. It's also a long tune that goes a lot of different places. Um, some people have called it symphonic. Um, and it starts from a very small place and it gets very large. Cadiz is kind of my, um, I mean, it's just, it's just a, a musical creation, but if I think about what I was thinking about, it was really to try and find a sound that um, incorporated all of it without being either. And, uh, and, you know, after 20 years of composing original music out of traditional materials, um, I kind of have a way of doing that. And, you know, I can get into that if you think your listeners will be interested, but it, uh, essentially it's taking the feel and the, the, the sonic essence of different styles and fooling with them until they come out sounding like me, um, but reminiscent of where they came from, if that makes sense. For example, with that piece, um, you know, one of the things, one of the ways I approach this stuff is to, first of all, I'm sure any everyone who even uh, knows nothing technically about music among your listeners will kind of know that what the idea of a scale is in music or the idea of a mode, which is a, a obviously a collection of intervals or pitches. It's um, the, the palette uh, that you work with, the sound palette. And there's minor modes, there's major modes, and there's a lot of different non-Western modes. So <clears throat> what I do is take, and the, the Jewish and Cuban and Spanish music um, and Arabic music have a lot of modes in common. That they ways that they happen to create melodic material. So one of the things that I do is to take those modes and and bend them, twist them, change some of the notes, or find different ways of working with them to create a slightly different 
uh, sound world. So that's one of the things that I do in that piece. Um, and then I also try and, uh, you know, and again, this is a very, I would say, kind of a natural process. It's not something that I do so consciously and saying, well, I need to change it 20%, so therefore I'm going to do this. I just start to improvise and listen and look for something that doesn't sound like every other thing that you've heard before and try and find something that's going to surprise me uh, and because that's what's going to bring me pleasure and I figure that it's going to work for other people too. So um, doing all that, uh, you know, and then bringing a kind of rhythmic element to it as well. So, I, you know, in terms of influences, I would say that in that one tune there's, you know, in a way it's just something that came out of me, but if we were going to talk about influences, you could say they're Jewish, Arabic, Cuban, um, African, free jazz, uh, um, and maybe Roma influences as well, like gypsy influences as well. Sure. Um, uh, and I have to say it's the one tune I've ever written, the one composition where pretty consistently um, there's a section in it that there's a, it starts with this slow, very moody section and then a melody that starts to develop. And then there's a, uh, the after quite a, a little while, it, it begins to slowly um, move, both in tempo and starts to rise in terms of uh, the way the melodic line goes. And when we hit cruising speed, pretty much every time we play it, the audience yells and claps, which I've rarely had uh, from a compositional element in the middle of a tune. And it, it's, it happens very consistently with this, which is kind of uh, enjoyable. I like that. Right, that's very different from playing a, a Jewish tune that's a maybe starts as a slow horror, then starts and goes into something fast. It, it's a different sort of feel, isn't it? It is different. I mean, it's you could say that there's certainly reflected in that, and that's something that obviously you're going to find across many cultures. You know, because it's like the slow, the slow out of time kind of thing sets up the mood, and then it's like, okay, now let's get down to business. And there's, this has some of that for sure. Um, you know, you could say that there's in some ways this relates to the form of a, in Jewish music of a doina, a hora, and a freilich, but completely different. Right. So, out of time, slow time, fast time. That's one of the things the piece has, and and I think it kind of sums up the project um, for me. And actually, one of the interesting things about it is I hope to use it. Uh, I, I'm planning to. Um, spend some time adapting it and orchestrating it for symphony. And uh, I want to put a project together that is Odessa Havana with orchestra. Well, that sounds like a great concept right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and the other one I liked on there was the uh, kind of a klezmer melody with uh, medley with the Cuban uh, styling. You want to talk about... Yeah, that's called Frelix Tumbao. And right. Hilario did that. I basically gave him uh, a whole bunch of traditional Jewish music, you know, like 78 dubs of 78 type recordings, or even field recordings. Some of the stuff he has on there is from, like, you know, stuff that was recorded in villages in the 1920s in the Ukraine. Uh, and he took all those melodies and, you know, turned them into this uh, medley. 
like said, the unusual thing is that the melodies are played against not only Cuban, but actually that's the one tune that has a lot of different South American rhythms as well, like cumbia and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that is sort of the tune, in a way, to me, the exception that proves the rule about the record. That's the one exception where we did take traditional Latin American and traditional Jewish melodies and slapped them together. Um, and it worked. It, it does work, yeah. But I'm glad that there's only one tune on the record like that. Right. Well, I it probably only needs the one just to to give everybody that that wants a real Jewish tune some satisfaction, right? Something like that, and just to sort of say, hey, we can, you know, this is a, this is, it's sort of like, um, it's a contrast, right? And it's a, it is a nice way to end the thing of just sort of getting back to basics, but but I, it is really. It's an important thing. See, to me, doing a record of all that stuff or having all the music be about like that is interesting, but ultimately kind of a dead end because then it's a novelty. Whereas I think, you know, one of the most fascinating ways forward in all these musics, and I include jazz in that, I really feel like um, that this is the way forward for jazz in general, which is to really expand it's uh and this is happening i mean it's not people are doing it everywhere is to and it's been happening for a long time but i think it's happening more and more which is to bring many different compositional approaches and many different uh raw materials again like what i was talking about into the mix because i think it's the old style jazz thing of you know playing uh a relatively short melody and then having everybody take solos on them is kind of a dead issue. Certainly on record. I think live that's still extremely exciting, can be an extremely exciting thing to see. But I don't know how many more versions of all the things you are uh, that's right. <laughs> played really fast you need to hear on a record. Because no matter how good it is, it's you know, it's just been done. Um interestingly, uh Miroslav Vitus, the uh great jazz bass player, composer, is sort of basically saying, you know, he's been in the press saying that what type of jazz is dead and that this whole, it's still, it's a good, it's got to be a very kind of a movement towards bringing composition more deeply into it. So I'm down with that. Sure. And uh, I, I really like your playing on these songs too. I, I play trumpet and I, you know, appreciate great trumpet uh, approach to the music. So it, I, it's I really great. That. And I I love uh, jazz, particularly Latin jazz, as well as the Jewish music. So for me, that you know, it really works. Awesome. So if people uh, want to get uh, the Odessa Havana CD or download it, where's a good place for uh, them to get it? Download it at iTunes. You can certainly the easiest place to get, the, get it uh, if you want to go online is Amazon dot com and uh, uh, but I also it's also nice to you know to um, what's the word to uh, patronize your local record store see if they have it or they want to order it it's on the Tzadik label John Thorne's Tzadik label you can also go to the Tzadik website and order it uh, t z a d i k dot com um, and uh, you can definitely check out what the band's doing. Uh, both at odessahavana.com and myspace slash odessahavana. Um, 
And, uh, you know, if you want to find out, actually you can even get on our mailing list by going to our website at theodessahavana.com. Terrific. And any other uh, performances or touring coming up? Yeah, like I said, a little mini thing in um, New York and D.C. New York, uh, D.C. on June 7th at the Washington, D.C. Jewish Music Festival. We're very happy to be playing there and at a great new club on the, uh, I think it's the East Village, called Drome in New York City on the 8th of June. And then back in Toronto, we're playing on the 11th. And uh, more dates in Canada in the summer, and then we're working on uh, some more touring in the fall, and we also want to try and get to Europe. Terrific. For those, everybody over there in Europe, look for Odessa Havana in the fall. Uh, and, oh yeah, also we're looking to go into the Midwest. Uh, we have some fairly strongly potential dates in Chicago and uh, uh, Milwaukee and other places like that. Terrific. Okay, David. Well, thanks very much for taking the time being on the program today. Really appreciate talking to you. It's nice to meet you. My pleasure. Thanks, man. Hi, this is Fern Lindzen from the Lithuanian Empire and from the Sisters of Shaneville, and you are listening to the klezmerpodcast.com. All right, I'm back. That was David Bookbinder of Odessa, Havana. Now, David is one of the busiest guys in the business, and I'm very glad that he was able to take a little bit of time out of his busy schedule to talk to me. So thank you very much, David. So once again, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to have your music played or be interviewed on the Klesmer Podcast, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released album you'd like me to review, please drop me a line at Keith at klezmerpodcast.com. Also, if you have a moment, I would appreciate it very much if you'd go to the iTunes Music Store and write a customer review for the Klezmer Podcast. That helps my ratings in iTunes. Again, the web address is www.klezmerpodcast.com. On MySpace, myspace.com slash klezmerpodcast. And on AIM and Skype at klezmerpodcast. Well, that's it for this episode. Again, thanks for listening. Stay subscribed. And until next time, bye for now.